mountain you won't climb are coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Crossroads, thank you for joining us here in person and those of you watching online. Please stand and worship with us this morning.
shout of praise this morning.
God is holy. Amen. Can I read for you? This is from Revelation. So this is right at the beginning of Revelation. And, you know, John is, is encountering the Lord and the Son of Man. It says, when I saw him, this is Revelation 1:17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. You know, because God is holy. He is set apart. You know, he is, maj- he is majestic. We are not. He is powerful. We are not. He is faithful. We are not. He is omnipotent and we are not he is all-knowing he is sovereign and we are not and then it says when i saw him i fell at his feet as if i were dead but he laid his right hand on me and said don't be afraid and then it said i am the first and the last i am the living one i died but look i am alive and forever and ever and i hold the keys of death and the grave that is the holy god that we worship He holds the keys of death and the grave. And so we can celebrate and truly say the word. We are truly excited because we worship a king who is alive and well. So can we get excited in the church this morning, online, in the house? Yep. And so I just want to encourage you with the word. And that song is so powerful. Keep keep singing and just thinking about just singing and just bowing before the Lord. And so we know that this uh, last Sunday, we uh, we're, we're without one of our members, Bill Best. 
you know, a, a lifelong member here, a, um, just a, a fellow, just brother in Christ, a deacon, a prayer warrior, and, you know, just a man who, who was caring. Uh, many of you received cards from Bill for a long time. He cared. He prayed. And when he said he prayed, he meant it. You know, and I just think about when, when, when Bill was, uh, when we heard about Bill passed, um, Pastor Ken was encouraging us. He said, okay, church, who's going to be the prayer warrior that takes the baton? Because we stand on shoulders of many brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone before us, who have prayed for us, who have led in front of us, who have inspired us, who have encouraged us. And now when we, you know, we see people like Sharon Gaminder and we see people like Bill Best who have gone to be with the Lord. When they went to the arms of the Lord, he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. These are the people that have gone before us and we take the baton and now we run the race. Now we run. Now we pray. Now we find the people that are younger than us, that are beside us, that are all over in different spaces of our lives. And we pray for them. We will become the prayer warriors. So let us as a church take that, that baton and let's run that race. Let's be, in, let's be in prayer for those in our lives, those in our families, those in our church. And so I just want to encourage you, Bill left a mighty set of shoes for us to fill, but he left with encouragement and what a, what a spiritual influencer. So can we thank God for the life of Bill Best and just thank him for what a faithful servant and a wonderful brother of the Lord. So I just want to encourage you guys. There's so much happening. I think sometimes we, we're so focused on everything else. We forget how God is just moving in such a strong way. So this last Sunday we had our next steps meeting, which next steps is, uh, it's for anyone who's wanting to make this church their home. It's our membership class. And we had 30 people, we had 30 people that in the midst of a pandemic are wanting to, to take that next step and, and join this church and make it their home. Yeah. It's, it's something to be thankful about. And I'm just looking at that, looking at that group, and I'm just looking at Ken, and I can just see his eyes like he's excited because it's just, listen, that's the, that's, that's the Lord. And I know this 21 days of prayer and fasting, I hope, is it encourage you. And we, we have actually have something in the lobby for you. It is a, a February uh, prayer journal. So I encourage you to grab one as you leave and continue to make it a part of your, uh, just your study in the Word. You know, I was listening on the radio this week on the Billy Graham station which I'm having a really hard time not wanting to listen to it because Billy Graham is Billy Graham. Ask, ask Ken. He's like, all right, Luke, how many more Billy Graham statements are you going to give me? But one of the things that he, that Matthew West, a singer-songwriter, he got to talk to Billy Graham before he, before he passed, and he said, Billy, he said, how do you keep your time in the Word so disciplined? And Billy Graham, without even answering the question, you know, he didn't say, well, I get up at four, I do this. He didn't say any of that. He said, if you want the quality of your marriage, your relationships, of your life, of your career, of any other sphere of your life to be of quality, it is a complete and utter reflection of your time in the Word of God. I was like, whoa. I, didn't have to, I, couldn't, I couldn't rewind that one, but I thought, wow, that is a powerful statement. So my encouragement to you, my challenge to us as the church here, Crossroads Online here in the building, is to continue to be in the Word every single day. So grab one of those prayer journals as you leave and make it a part of your everyday uh, just habit and keep, keep spend time with the Lord. Um, I also just want to encourage you. We've got people that have come into Christ asking to be discipled. We've got kids in kids ministry who are coming every week hearing about the Lord, who are growing. And there are students hearing about the word. There are men's and women's Bible studies like people. There are things happening. And this pandemic continues to be a blink on the radar for eternity in the eyes of our Lord. That's something to celebrate. Because our brains get so focused on everything else that we forget how God is absolutely moving. So I just want to encourage you, church, that the Lord that we worship has the keys to death and the grave. 
and he is the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. That is who we worship. That is who we sing to. That's why we gather. And so as we continue on, I just want to go before the Lord, and we're going to hear an encouraging song here in a minute, but would you guys join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for just the faithfulness of this church, Lord, because you remain at the center, and we want to continue to just worship you with our lips, worship you with our hands, with our feet. And, Lord, we know that so many have... um, given online, Lord, and we continue to just be faithful in giving online through the mail and the boxes on the wall, Lord, and we just know that, God, we are giving uh, because you have given to us, Lord. You you say in the word that, you, Lord, you desire a cheerful, a cheerful giver, and so, Lord, help us grow us, and as we walk through this series of what makes you grow, Lord, we know that all of us are going to grow in different areas of our life, and it's not just doing more, it's following you. It's becoming obedient to what you are asking us to do. So, Lord, we're handing you our our obedience, our hands, everything that we have, Lord, and we're asking that you would lead us. Holy Spirit, lead us. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Would you fill us this morning? We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. There was a time that I swore I would never go back. Blind to the truth, didn't know what I had. I was running, I was searching, but every place I turned for healing left me more broken than the last. Take me back to the place that feels like home, to the people I can depend on, to the place that's in my bones. Take me and a verse where they've seen me at my worst to the love I had at first oh I want to go to church tried to walk on my own but I wound up lost now I'm making my way to the foot of the cross it's not a trophy for the winners It's a shelter for the sinners, and it's right where I belong. Take me back to the place that feels like home, to the people I can depend on, to the faith that's in my bones. Take me back to a preacher and a verse where they see me at my worst, to the love I had at first. Oh, I want to go.
Wow, you want to go to church, folks? Yeah, let's thank God for that, huh? God is good. I, uh, when I heard that song, I said, that exactly describes what I believe about church, don't you? That's why I'm here. These, you people know me at my worst, and you still love me. And that's, that's what church is, really. I mean, we, thank God for that. Amen? We do. And, uh, and as we're thinking about the things that make you grow, we've been talking about what makes you grow. We, we took the whole month of January, and we said, listen, I want you to do 21 days of prayer. I want you to meet with God and be in prayer with God and, and, and get that. And listen, that is going to make you grow. You spend time in his presence. You pray. You meet with him. You're going to grow. Uh, last week, Pastor Al gave a phenomenal message on the Word of God. The Word of God is central to your Christian growth. You cannot grow without the Bible. And uh, can we thank God for Pastor Al? Great message last week. Great message last week. And so as you think about the things that make you grow, God wants to grow your faith. And so I was looking this week at Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews chapter 11 tells us what faith is. Check this out over in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then he goes on, he says, and that's what the patriarchs, the patriarchs were known for their faith. And he's setting up this whole chapter. He's going to give you what I call the great hall of faith, okay? He just goes on, you know, Abraham did this, Moses did this, and he's just naming uh, Patriarch after patriarch in the Old Testament of how that they were walked by faith and what God did. And so he says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Like we cannot physically see God, but we have faith in him, right? So we have faith. It's the evidence of things not seen. And I can see the evidence in your life. I can see the evidence of faith in your life, but I cannot necessarily see God. He continues on here. Hebrews 11.3, he says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So God created the heaven and the earth. And he says, listen, it is by faith that we trust that, right? None of us were present at creation, Aren't you, you know, I mean, there's nobody that old here, right? Uh, not, none of you were um, at present at creation. And he says, by faith. So we, we trust faith that it's the evidence of the things that we cannot see. But I know that, you know, Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're not here by accident, folks. This was not some like, oh, wow, how did this earth come to be? It wasn't like, uh, as a matter of fact, look, he says, so the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. So the trees, the the land, the the people, we weren't made by some other country. We weren't made by some other idea. We were made by God himself. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he says, by faith. We step out by faith. So faith is not a leap in the dark, folks. I don't want you to think that either. Faith is not like, well, you know, I just believe everything. No, no. By faith, we understand that this world was framed by the Lord. God laid the foundations of the earth. And he is the one. He is the one who's in charge. He created heaven and earth. And so he sets up faith. And then, uh, you know, as you're thinking about this and and you want to know about faith, and I've learned this, that faith actually has to grow. Faith is something that you just don't all of a sudden start and all of a sudden, man, I, am, I'm, I have faith and my faith is mature. A maturing faith grows. It takes time to grow. You have to start small. And as that small baby steps, you begin to grow. You know, the scriptures talk about a mustard seed. 
And Jesus himself even talked. At one time, the disciples, they wanted to heal somebody like Jesus had done a healing. And Jesus, uh, and they, they said, why couldn't we do this? And uh, actually, it was maybe, um, it was a miracle of sorts that they wanted to do. And Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, and it was very interesting. If you have the faith of mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to move from here to there. And, and, and then he says, listen, you have to pray. But he talks about faith of a mustard seed, just a little bit of faith. Over here in Matthew 13, Matthew 13, 31, Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It, it, it's planted in a field. And he continues on. He says, not only is that little seed, it is the smallest of all the seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. So it gives us a little insight here. And as I was thinking about this, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. What's he talking about here? There's a whole lot that he's talking there. But he says, listen, of uh, the smallest of seeds, and, and, and I want you to remember this. Whenever Jesus was there, he was working with 12 disciples. He started a movement that has lasted over 2,000 years. You're part of that movement. And so I catch this. He says the, the kingdom of heaven, it's going to grow. It's going to expand. It's going to, it's going to be incredible. And he says the smallest of all the seeds becomes the largest garden plants. So I don't know about you, but I don't hang out with too many mustard seeds, do you? Some of you may use them as breath mints, right? And just pop. No, I'm just kidding. Right? I don't know. I, I, I don't hang out with, I, I, don't have, you know, I don't think we have any mustard seeds at home. But I know that there is a, uh, this, this little tiny mustard seed. And this picture shows you in the palm of a man's hand, like how small the mustard seed is. It's just so tiny. It's just so small. But yet I was thinking, well, Jesus said here it, it smalls, uh, it's small and then it grows into a tree. And I was like, oh, I've never seen a mustard tree. And so I found this picture of a mustard tree, and I said, wait a minute. That little seed can grow into that? Like, this is what faith, this is the faith that God plants in your heart. And he takes it, and he says, if you just have a little bit of faith, if you have this little tiny bit of faith, I will grow and I will do great things in your life. I will move and do incredible things. And for you and I, we can see, as we look back, when Jesus said that there were 12 disciples, and today there are Thousands and thousands and millions of disciples of Jesus Christ were followers of Christ, and the tree is big. And if you go into that, you'd study it, you'd find he's talking about some other dangers that could be out there because the tree's so big. But he says, listen, that little bit of faith, and it grows. And I want to ask you today, how is your faith growing? Oh, well, you know, we talk and we, we look at the things that will make us grow. What, what are the things that make us grow? We all love to go to prayer and Bible reading because I can do that. And I can do it by myself. After, after Hebrews chapter 11, he comes down to the, uh, to the end of Hebrews 11, and, uh, and, and he rolls into 12. And I love this, verse 12, Hebrews 12, 1. He says, therefore, remember, big theological principle. When you see the word therefore, ask yourself, what's it there for, okay? It's therefore because of what he just talked about in Hebrews 11, about all the people of faith, right? Therefore, I just showed you all this about faith. Since we are surrounded by the cloud of witnesses that I just told you about, Abraham and Moses and, and Rahab and all these people he mentions, right? He says, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. So let us throw that off, get rid of the sin that's entangling us. Uh, he's talking about running a race here, okay? If you're running a race, you, you, don't, you don't run with a book bag on you. You've got to get rid of it, right? He continues on, and let us run with perseverance 
the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So let us run this race with perseverance. Let's not quit and keep our eyes on Jesus. So I'm thinking about this. How does God do that? How do I continue to grow my faith? All right, I pray, I read my Bible. I, I've started a, a Bible reading program for this year. You can follow me on um, the U version if you go. If you many people still don't know about the U version app, Y O U version, just go and download that. It's free in your app store, whatever type of phone you have, you'll find it. It's a free app and has all these Bible translations in there. I've started a reading plan and I let it read to me. Um, I'm just behind a few days. And uh, my wife's ahead a few days, so there's a little competition happening in the house here, right? Um, she manages to get ahead, and I'm, like, managing to fall behind. So I want you to know, we're growing. This isn't legalism. Amen? It's like, okay, you're going to keep moving forward. I've got some goals, and it's okay. i got my eyes is on the prize. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. He is going to grow this. He matures your faith. So as you are growing in him, you've got, you've got prayer, you've got Bible reading. He says that he's going to grow. The kingdom of God is going to expand this little mustard seed. Well, let me tell you one of the things that he uses in your life. God places people in your life to help you fix your eyes on Jesus. Would you read that with me? God places people in your life to help you fix your eyes on Jesus. If I were to ask every one of you to, uh, to share your story, you would tell me your story of how you began to grow. And, you know, faith does grow. It starts out like a little mustard seed. The Scriptures talk about planting. Some people plant the seed. Some people water it. And some people get to see the harvest. And so you can go back and you can look in your life and you can remember the time whenever you were new to faith and you were just like, man, you're just kind of like uncertain about everything, you know? I, I love it whenever God does this. God brings us people all the time and we always have people that are starting the journey. Isn't it awesome? Can we thank God for that? They're starting the journey. Let's thank God today. And, um, and, and many times I can, I, can, I can tell, I love to watch the journey how it begins. And I love to watch it unfold. I love to watch it grow. Because this is typically what happens sometimes if you're new to faith. You kind of come in and you're kind of looking around. Can I sit over here? It's kind of like me going to Whole Foods. You know, I went into Whole Foods and I was traumatized. I told my wife, we're going to start eating right. Going to Whole Foods. We go into Whole Foods and it's like, organic? They have all kinds of other words I don't even have a clue about over there. And I'm walking around there and I told my wife, this is wonderful. Everything here is healthy. And I just start filling the basket. You know, I'm bringing some, you know, rhubarb and all this stuff. And she's like, what are you ever going to do with that? I said, I don't know, it's healthy. And then I found the ice cream section. Organic ice cream, man. I was like, it's healthy. They have organic chocolate cake. It's healthy. I even dared into that gluten-free zone. Once. Once. I threw it back. You have to cover it with cheese and sauce so you don't even know you're eating it, right? So anyhow, so, so it's like you go out in there and it's like, you know what, for me, I, 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 when I go in there, I don't know that story. I know John Eagle real well. But, but when I go into Whole Foods, it's like, 
do I belong here? Like, I don't, I don't even look like anybody else here. I mean, everybody looks so different in them places. John Eagle, we're just a bunch of locals, you know. We're all kind of got, got my jeans on and I go over there. You've got to get dressed up to go to shopping. Anyhow, that's what it is when you're starting your journey. Everything's new. And everything's like, man, they say words I'm not used to. And, and listen, it's beautiful because what happens is the second week, the third week, the fourth week, the fifth week, the fifth month, all of a sudden you see that little seed that started, that started to grow. And all of a sudden I watch these people in our church and they're like flourishing. And I remember the day they came in and they're like, is it okay? And God does this and God grows us. And, 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 and as you do this, I want you to catch this. Not only did you read the Bible, not only did you pray, but God placed somebody in your life. Most of the time whenever you hear somebody's testimony, before we have a, a baptism, you will hear somebody will tell their story about somebody that was in your life that helped point you to Jesus. Very rarely do you hear somebody say, well, you know, I was, uh, I was sitting at home all by myself and I discovered God. I turned on Billy Graham. <laughs> Only Luke does that, right? Most people, most people may have heard Billy Graham, but because a friend told him to listen to him. Most people may have heard about Jesus because a friend. Here's what it typically. Here's the typical story that somebody comes in for their baptism. I was going through a really rough time in my life, and I had a friend, and they named their friend. This friend cared about me. I didn't know that they were praying for me, and they saw that I was struggling. And in the midst of my struggle, they met some of my needs. They began to tell me about Jesus. At first, I was reluctant to take it. At first, I thought, I don't want to hear the religious stuff, but I really liked them as a friend. And God opened the doors, and that friend pointed me to Jesus. Folks, God will place people in your life to help you fix your eyes on Jesus. And as, if we were to sit here, take a minute and turn to the person. Who comes to your mind first off when you think of the person who is like that in your life? Take, you got 40 seconds. Go. Who is that person? In your life, that helps you think about faith. I, you know, as I look back at my life, I can tell you there are so many people in my life that God used. I, I can, I can go back and I can trace the footprint of how God began to work, and He used this person to start in my life. And then somebody else came along and he used this person. Then somebody else came along and he used that person. For you, maybe it was uh, you were lived out of state. And it was somebody that was at a job down out of state. And that person began to take an interest in you and cared about you. And, and, And all of a sudden they planted the seed. And then you got a job transfer and you moved to Pittsburgh. And you're like, I don't know anybody in Pittsburgh. And somebody comes in and says, hey, you know. Here's a sandwich in that. And they, they, they're, they're kind to you and they give you the local food and, uh, and, and they just make you feel comfortable, right? Yeah, everybody got a sandwich in that, right? So, uh, and, and then they give you Jesus in that, right? And then they, they, they helped you and they watered that seed. And then one day they said, hey, would you come check out our church? And, and, and God just does incredible things like that. God places people in your life to help fix your eyes on Jesus. I love what Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says. 
says, spur us on, spur each other on to love and good deeds. All right? Let us consider how we may spur one another. Let's go back one. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Folks, that denotes relationship. It's, there's a relationship. It's not just, I read my Bible, and I got my reading plan, and I'm on an island to myself. No, it's a relationship. It means that somebody in, in your life will encourage you to do the good things that God's called you to do. Somebody will encourage you to Jesus, point you to fix your eyes on Jesus, just like the runner. You know, when, when somebody's in a race and they're running the race, they, you know, they got good coaches. The, 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 uh, the Olympics have trained them to be the best coaches. They keep their eyes fixed on the prize. And, and the Apostle Paul said there, keep your eyes fixed on the prize. And so what we need is other people to help us keep my eyes fixed on the prize, Jesus. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And as he continues, now check this out. He continues this, not forsaking. It's one sentence. In English, we have to put the verses so we can find each other, right? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, so much more as you see the day approaching. He says, listen, let us not get out of the habit of of coming together. And so this has been the hardest year, has it not, folks? This has been so hard. And I'm not talking about coming to this building. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about what happens on Monday. What happens on Tuesday? You know, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there. Amen? So whether you're here or you're online, you're gathering with us today. You're being encouraged. Your faith, you're worshiping the Lord. But there's a relational denotement here. To spur one another on to love and good deeds. And don't forget to keep meeting together. So it can be at your house. It can be online. It can be in multiple ways. But you've got to have people in your life that will encourage you. And this has been the, the greatest time of discouragement in our world, has it not? We have been isolated. And uh, if I could just say it like this, Christianity is not a solo sport. Christianity is not a solo sport. He, um, God never intended for us to be people that would just be a believer, follow God, and enjoy my life. And go home and have devotion after devotion after devotion. Folks, God uses human relationship to grow our faith in Him. He allows human relationship to intersect with our faith. Um, and you want to use the right relationships. You want to surround yourself with people who are going to encourage you. As I look around and I remember the, the people in my life, I can go back and I can trace the people. And uh, we, we have a picture here. I want to throw this picture up. It's at the end of the slides there. The, these guys here. Actually, it's over here too, right? So the, <laughs> these guys here. This is Bill Best in the middle. Bill Best just went to be the Lord with the Lord this week, and yesterday we had his memorial and celebration of his life. All these guys, except for the guy on the end, this is Bob Price, and he, he's typically on the porch to say hi to you. All these guys hung out together. And this was at some gathering at somebody's house, and you know, as, as I walk through this, I'm reminded of these guys, they spurred one another on to love and good deeds. They were the old guys, Right? I mean, when I was a kid, they were old. Matt Pettigrew. Let me tell you about Matt Pettigrew. I, I just, you know, Bill Best has prayed for me at 5 in the morning for the last 25 years. 5 a.m. 
And he's prayed for most of your names. As you started to come to the church, he got your name and you went onto his list. And he has a, a binder at his house. And he would send out cards to people. At 82 years old, he said, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep serving God, right? So you know how he spurred others to love and good deeds? He would send out a card. If you got sick, he would send a card to your house. If he found out about you and what was going on with you, he'd send a card. And then he would send a card every month if you had a long-term illness. And then he, he was so good at the cards, they said that he would take the cards and he organized them and made note of what card he sent you so that he never sent you a double card. That's professional. Listen, I, he, he had a stamp bill that was incredible. I went into his house there before he passed, and I saw this boxes and boxes of cards. He spurred others on to love and good deeds. He prayed. Th- this guy, Matt Pettigrew, Matt Pettigrew, I met Matt Pettigrew whenever I was like in second grade. Matt Pettigrew used to help out in the children's ministry. He couldn't teach. There was nothing about him. He was not a teacher. He could not publicly speak, but he could pray. And he learned to like us kids, and he learned to pick on us and have a little bit of fun with us. And he'd come up to me, and he'd say, hey, Barner. That's how he referred to me as Barner. Hey, Barner, I'm praying for you. You know, you're a little kid, you're like, hey, that's cool. Just keep going on. Where's, you know, where, where's the next fun thing, right? Come in high school. Barner, I'm praying for you. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't really understand it yet. As a young adult, getting married, Barner, I'm praying for you. I was like, yeah, that's cool. Didn't really catch the depth of it. Now I understand. That guy was praying for me. And not only was he praying for me, he was intersecting with my faith. He would encourage me, and he got to know my name. And so when I came in the door, somebody knew my name. I wasn't just a number. And thanks be to God, you will never be a number in this church. Amen? Every one of you are a name. You have a name. And, uh, and God, you know, we're not about filling seats. We're about changing hearts. And that's what God does. God transforms hearts. So that's what these old guys did for me. Um, and, and I saw these guys that all hung out together. This is Don Patterson. Don Patterson was a wonderful guy. Don Patterson used to fix elevators. And he hung out here at the church. I mean, that's what he, he, he was an elevator repairman. And so he would go out there and he'd work and, and he did all that fun stuff with the elevators. And it was just like incredible. And, uh, and, and I'll never forget, he would come in here and he would talk to me about elevators and talk to me about electric and talk to me about, you know, this, I, did, I never knew this. When they're fixing the elevators and he'd have to climb the shafts, he, he said he couldn't wear his wedding ring in there because you could get, you know, you could conduct or it could snap off your finger if it got in some really tight spots. And I was always like, wow. But you know what? These guys poured into me. By the way, his wife is typically in the foyer, Dolores Patterson. And she's still going strong. Can we thank God for that, huh? These are incredible guys. Incredible guys. But, but all these guys are with the Lord except for Bob Price. And, and, and as I watched this, I said, wait a minute. These people spurred each other on to love and good deeds. They didn't even know they were doing it. They didn't say, okay, today I will spur somebody on to love and good deeds. No, he said, hey, Barner, I'm praying for you. And that's how it works. And I want to encourage you to, to, uh, to understand that whenever we come to, be with, uh, to grow in our spiritual life, you've got to surround yourself with people like this. Now, these are the old guys. We need a whole new generation of people that will learn to just hang out together. Like, that's what we did. Growing up in the church, that's what I did. I hung out with people. 
we, you know, I realize culture was a little bit slower back in those days, but you know, we, we hung out with each other. And we have so many funny memories. Listen, I was sitting yesterday at Bill's, uh, the, the lunch after Bill's memorial service, and I was sitting with a few, a few guys, and we just started laughing. Not about Bill, but we was, we was laughing about memories that we had as a kid. Like, we, we, started, we started bringing up this guy and that guy, and we started laughing. And, like, people were like, what's going on at the table number five? You know what I mean? Like, we, we, had, we had such a good time. Uh, and, you know, I want to encourage you to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Christianity is not a solo sport. You cannot do this by just getting a Bible lesson. The Bible is central. Jesus is central. Amen? This is not a country club. Country clubs have other centralities. This is the Jesus club. And when we come to the Jesus club, I'm hanging out with Jesus. You're hanging out with Jesus. But I'm also hanging out with you. And God uses you to spur me on to loving good deeds. He who walks with wise, Proverbs 13:20. He who walks with wise men will be wise. But the companions of fools will be destroyed. That's what those old guys were. They were the wise men. They, they hung out together. And, and they, uh, you know, I used to call them the, the Inquisition. You know, I used to see them all hanging out together. And, and, and you know, I, I saw this happening in our church. It's happening right now. Pandemic's been so hard. We're moving. We're trying to move forward and all, all these different things. But let me tell you, Wednesday night... I, uh, I come in and I sit in the men's Bible study. I love it because I don't have to teach. It's so wonderful. They love it too because they get out on time. So, uh, you know, but it's like, yeah, they, I just love it. I come and I sit in the back room. Chuck Green's a great Bible teacher and he has a lot of discussion type of things. And you know what I love most about it? I see a group of guys that are becoming friends. And they're sitting there and they laugh. You know, I have found that women are so much easier at the, the building friendships and relationships and having friends. Men, it's a lot harder, isn't it? Have you ever noticed that? You know, men, women get together and it's like... <laughs> men get together for a Bible study. What's up? See you next week. We're done. Like, we don't need much else. We're very happy. I gave you the nod in the hallway. We're, we're, we're done. I, I want to encourage you. You have to build friendships. Listen, men get a little bit more into it when we go fishing. Amen? We're like, what's up? But listen, I want to encourage you. These are the people... I watch this happening in our church. It's happening. There's a men's group. There's a women's group. We have life groups that we're trying to fire up. You're going to hear this coming here after the thaw. <laughs> okay? Once the rotunda thaws out here in March 15th, um, we, we are going to, we're going to start getting life groups happening again, people meeting. And listen, you don't have to have ten people, just two people. I want to encourage you to go to coffee with somebody this week. I want to encourage you, you don't have to go out in the restaurant and invite somebody over your house. You can six, sit, sit six feet apart on your couch, sit across the room, but hang out and just be with somebody. Isolation is not healthy for a believer. We need other people to spur me on to love and good deeds. This has been the hardest season, amen? Hardest. But we are still here. 
Amen? God has allowed us. You know why we're thriving? Not because we meet on Sunday in this building, but because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you people are connecting. And you're spurring one another on to love and good deeds. Let me tell you another picture I saw. He who walks with the wise. You know, when you're walking with wise, you're on the same team. You're fixing your eyes on Jesus. And and as we have other people that come my way and and, and we we learn each other's names, we learn each other's likes, dislikes, and and bear one another's burdens, we're we're looking at the same Jesus. We've got our eyes fixed on the prize. This happens in children's ministry and in youth ministries. I watch our kids downstairs, and they're they're all they're all happy. Like it's wonderful. I I I, I just got to tell you what I saw Wednesday night after church. I come out of the men's Bible study because we ended on time. The women were still going. Doo, 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 doo. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So we we were done, and I saw about six kids. I think one was in fourth grade, one was in fifth grade, one was in sixth grade. And they were kind of random ages. And they were standing in a little circle. And they were just laughing and talking and enjoying each other's company. And I said, that's the verse right there. He who walks with the wise will be wise. And so I, um, I want to encourage you to get your kids involved here. Middle school, high school. Elementary, nursery. Listen, when they start to know each other, and all of a sudden they start to run with the wise. Oh, they're going to go back out. They have other friends, other words, but this is the core. Let me tell you something. When my kids were going through high school, we had many discussions for many days that they didn't want to go. And you know what I told them? Get in the car. Why? had nothing to do with I thought they were going to a Bible study that would rock their world. I wanted them to know where the wise people are. And I wanted them to have an opportunity for relationships to intersect their faith. And some days they had great Bible studies. Some days they had no Bible studies. Some days they didn't want to be here. They were tired after basketball practice. They were tired after this. Tired of life, right? Get in the car. Do you know that paid off? My kids are far from perfect. But I want you to know they have a love for the people of God and there's people that are pointing their eyes to Jesus. You see, that's what somebody did for me when I was a youngster. My mom and dad didn't come to church. I came on the bus. And you can't run buses today. That's just so different, right? But the school bus would come and pick me up and bring me to church. And my parents said, free babysitting. Get him out of here. And that's how I started coming to church. Somebody connected with me, intersected with my faith, started to know my name. Matt Pettigrews, Bill Best, these people cared for me through the years, encouraged me on. And I found this was bigger than what I was getting out of it. I was learning how to give. People were giving to me. So it wasn't just what I gave in the offering. It's what I gave in relationships. What I gave in relationships. So as I, as I walk this journey, I want to encourage you folks to, uh, to get your kids connected, to, um, to, to let this happen. Look at this human relationship here. 1 Samuel 18.1. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. 
This was two guys become really good friends. Jonathan was the son of the king. Son of Saul. Saul's son. And, uh, and Jonathan had a heart like David did. He wanted to serve God. and wanted to do the things of God. And if you go back and you read the chapters preceding, you see that, uh, that nobody else really wanted to be like David. And Jonathan was on the same page as David. Let's take the giant. Let's do it. And so David goes up and kills the giant, and they become friends. And it says that, 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 they, that he loved him. So he, he became one in spirit, and he loved him as himself. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. So that's a pretty big statement. These were two guys. He really became tight friends. And Jonathan took off his robe. So Jonathan makes a covenant with him. Jonathan took off his robe that he was wearing, and he gave it to David along with his tunic. And even his sword and his bow and his belt. So he get, he, remember, he's the king's son, so he's got royal clothing. He takes his royal clothing and he says, here, I'm giving it to you. David, you're a shepherd boy. No more is there a difference from royalty to shepherd boy. We're friends. The deepest of friendships, that I want you to catch us, the deepest of friendships have in common that they will make the other royalty. Think about that. The good friends in your life, they put you first, don't they? They're not about themselves. They're, they're, they're more about you. And they care about you. And they're not taking from you. They're giving to you. And in return, you give to them. And, and it's, it's incredible. So, the, so I want you to catch this because God uses human relationships. And as you see this, folks, I, I know that I, I read a study that said that 10% of men, less than 10% of men would say that they have a best friend. Like my wife is my best friend, but I need to have some... Some men in my life, some, some men that are going to spur me on to love and good deeds and encourage me in my faith. So you know what I do? I go down every Tuesday morning. I go to breakfast with a couple guys. And there's, you know, it started out there was three and then there was four and I think there's like five now. Don't tell anybody because pandemic rules are four, but we sneak a fifth one in every now and then, okay? And, uh, and we have eggs. Wade Baker's part of that gang. Wade, uh, you know, if you tell Wade 8 o'clock, he shows up at 7.15. I show up at 8.20. And I'll tell you what, we don't do a Bible study. We do life. And, and there's no structure. We hang out, and we have made it a priority. And let me tell you, we missed one week this year. It was the very first week of the pandemic. The second week, we decided to go in... Uh, we went undercover to somebody's house, and we had eggs. And it was the three of, there was three of us that were like, we're going to start this. And we just said, we're going to do this. And we went, and we, we had our eggs. But you know what happened? We, we sat there, and we said, okay, we've got to pray for each other. This is the hardest time. And I'll tell you what, I needed that. When I saw, listen, when I had to make some decisions for the church that were so hard here, and, and, and listen, we have to make decisions every week that are hard, those guys come alongside me and they say, hey, I'm on your team. Keep going. Keep your eye on the prize. And I'm like, but did you see this? They're like, would you stop that? Keep your eye on the prize. And whenever they get like that, I say, hey, keep your eye on the prize. And, and man, they, they've been, they, listen, I can't tell you enough. And, and listen, friendships can work the opposite way. Look what 
1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. It corrupts good character. So I want to encourage you today, number one, to be intentional. We have to be intentional to be in a place to find spiritual relationships. I don't know where that might be. Hmm. You think it's Applebee's? It's the people of God. Be intentional. Like, be intentional to, to, to put yourself out there at the church, um, through online, through connecting with friends through homes, and, and just making, making some friendships and, 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 and becoming vulnerable. Be intentional. Put your place in, in a that God will give you a spiritual relationship. He'll give you a friend that will help you find Jesus, that will help you fix your eyes on Jesus. And then the second thing I want to ask you is this. Are you willing, are you willing to be available to God to be that person in somebody else's life? You remember that person that I asked you about earlier? That person had to make a sacrifice. They had to become vulnerable to you. They had to open up their time. They had to open up their heart. They had to, uh, they had to care about you. Would you be available to do that to, for somebody else? And it's not something you sign up to, to do in the church. It's, it's something you do in life. And so it could be somebody where you work. Like there's somebody who needs God. And, and you know, yeah, you're, like you're a little nervous about bringing up God, but you see their life is really struggling. You see their life is falling to pieces, and, and, and you know what God did for you. And so, man, maybe you could just drop a little seed about God there and say, you know what, God did something in my life. He might, he, might, he might work for you. As a matter of fact, I know he will. And, and you just start, and you, you don't have to know any, you don't have to have no speech ready. You just start to be Jesus. He said, be the hands and feet of Jesus. Go out and do this and, and just be there and, and watch what God will do. Would you be willing to be that person? Um, Jonathan, man, it worked for him. Jonathan and David became the best of friends and he ended up saying, man, I'm treating you with royalty. Who's the person that God's put you next to that you need to open up? Are you willing to be available? Let's close in prayer. Well, their heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. I want to invite you to Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. It's all about him. I want to invite you to fix your eyes on Jesus, but you can't do that by yourself. The, the church has a, is a powerful thing, but, you know, it's, it's not just this meeting on the weekend. It's Monday. It's Tuesday. It's Wednesday. It's, it's doing life. It's going to breakfast together. It's communicating. It's, uh, it's learning names. It's opening up your heart. And, and I want to ask you, would you be willing to put yourself in a place that God could do that? Like, like here at church, would you be willing to just, you know, say hi to a few people? I know it's so different right now. Everything's the world's so in such a different state. But you know what? God still wants to do something in your life, and He wants to use you. Would you be available for that other person? Would, would you be? I'm not asking you to, to do this for hundreds of people. I'm saying maybe there's somebody in your life, one person. God wants to use you. Would you? Would you be that person? Would you be available for them? And would you make yourself available here? Here at the house of the Lord, uh, just to know people, to start to open up. We have mops groups. We have the men's groups. We have youth and children's groups. We, we have all kind of opportunities, but you can't do this from home. You, you have to do this from, 
from uh, connecting with somebody. You can't do it through a text. This has got to be, you open yourself to a relationship. You become vulnerable. You, you take a risk. I'm going to ask you to take that risk. Father God, be with each person here, Lord, and we just ask that you help us all to, to, to open up our hearts, Lord, to open up our homes, to open up who we are, Lord. And, Lord, I realize many are still very concerned about social distancing. And so, Lord, we, we know that your work will continue to thrive even in the midst of social distancing. God, as, uh, as we look forward to spring and summer this year and, and being able to maybe sit outside with somebody, maybe to meet somebody at a distance, and, or, or at least to have a phone call and talk with somebody, Lord, I pray that you will use these words your words, Lord. Uh, develop some more Davids and Jonathans in our church. Develop more people, more of the Bill Best who will say, I will pray, I will be faithful, I will live my life with my eyes fixed on Jesus, and I will do it with a group of people that we're all heading in the same direction. Lord, move in a mighty way. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. Aren't you thankful to be here? God is good. Let's thank our great God. We will see you next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl tonight. It's not that super because the black and gold are not in there, but uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a game. All right? Have a good day. God bless you.
knows the mind awakes. No words come to fill the space. 'Cause words, they don't do your power much justice. It's too great, too great to be bound by little letters we make up. And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory by calling you this and that. But the reality is that we can't fully comprehend how you can be all of who you are. And think of us. You think of me daily. You have a desire to be a part of my life, and I can't understand why. It's one of those things that's too good to be true, but yet it is. I don't think my job is to understand why. I think all that I'm supposed to do 